Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Kelsey Washington. She is a mom to a now three-year-old. While her pregnancy was what she describes as nice, fun, and relatively easy, she'll be speaking on how she navigated not only her son having a heart defect and needing surgery, but also her postpartum mental health. As with all our storytellers, we are looking forward to her sharing her truth. Hello, Chelsea. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, welcome. (laughs) So can you first start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes, so me and my family live in Dallas, Texas. It's me and my husband and my son, who is three. His name is Wade. Um, We all live in Dallas with my in-laws. And so um, for work, I am an academic advisor at the college I actually graduated from. So yay, I'm a, like alumni over here. But uh, yeah, just over here um, in the hot, hot heat of Texas and living life. <laughs> yes. Black and then higher ed. Yes. <laughs> That's a whole book, right? <laughs> right, that's a, yeah, that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so, so can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Yeah, so my pregnancy, I always say it was pretty easy. Um, it wasn't, I didn't really have a lot of the stuff I thought that would happen. So before I got pregnant, I thought, um, I was going to have like the worst pregnancy ever. I thought I was going to be nauseous and tired and have all kinds of pains and stuff. But really and truly, it was so bearable. And I feel like that was like the happiest I'd ever been in my life. I really enjoyed pregnancy. Only thing that really hit me hard was the exhaustion. I didn't expect to just like want to sleep so much. Like I would literally get off of work and drive home and just like, get on the couch and pass out like it was mandatory almost every day to have a nap um I did have nausea but it wasn't like bad enough for me to throw up it was really bad in the first trimester but still I didn't throw up but after the first trimester it was fine I only threw up once and that was from eating a sausage McGriddle and my son was like no please do not put that in my in our body so other than that I would say it was it was a fun pregnancy. <laughs> right. Don't have McDonald's calling us, okay? Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, it, it sounds so good. Yeah, okay. Immediately, I started feeling bad. <laughs> How did your husband respond to you being pregnant? This is um, a different side for him and you. Yeah. Um, I think he's pretty like level-headed and things like that so of course he would help me pick things up that were too heavy and stuff because I'm stubborn I try to do stuff on my own he's like no you're not supposed to do that but uh, yeah he was pretty level-headed um I wasn't like super emotional during pregnancy I can probably count on the my hand the times where I just like <laughs> cried for no reason but um even then he handled it really well. He was like, you know, it's okay. 
it's not the end of the world. <laughs> so yeah, he was really good, really supportive. So can you tell us a little bit about how you prepared for birth? Like, was this something you were thinking about throughout your pregnancy? Um, so with me having my first child and being young, I didn't really, um, I did like, I knew about birth from the own research I've done, like, on my own and from shows. Like, I used to watch a baby story on TLC a lot when I was younger, and I had some child development classes in high school and in college. So that was probably the extent I knew about it. And so I knew, like, I didn't want to come in having, like, a plan, like, a really cut and dry plan. But I knew that the one thing I did not want was a C-section. And that was only because I wasn't afraid of the surgery or anything. I was just more so um, wary about the recovery because my friend had had one and she told me like, yeah, when you have a C-section, like for a solid six weeks, you can't drive on your own. Someone has to drive you. Um, you can't pick anything up more that weighs more than the baby. And it's just, it hurts, you know, it's a lot of recovery. So that's the only thing I didn't want. And that's the only way I prepared other than like packing your bags, um, like a week or a month or so before making sure we had all the stuff in place for when he came home from the hospital and things like that. So that was the extent of my plan. <laughs> I think that's a good plan still. I mean, you just, um, some people are like, they don't even need a bag or they don't think they need a bag. And then we get there. It's like, I don't have all my things. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I will say like when I pack my bag, I don't know why I thought this, but I only packed like one thing for him to wear. Cause I don't know. I just thought he was just going to be in a diaper the whole time he was at the hospital. So I didn't think to pack anything else, but the outfit he was coming home in. So he spent a lot of time naked at the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> In the diaper. I'm just here. Yeah. (laughs) Lay on mama. Yeah, right. Right. I'm your warmth. (laughs) So tell us about your birth experience. So just, I guess I'll go back. So I was due on August 26th of 2016. Mm -hmm. And a few weeks before my due date, you know, I went in, I was going to the doctor every week, like normal. And so a few weeks before uh, my doctor was like, Oh, you're already dilated. I think it was like one centimeter. And I was like, Oh my gosh, already. Because it was like probably a month before my due date. I was like, Oh, so he must be coming out real fast. Cause I, I wasn't, I didn't get it like big, but my stomach was really big. I carried it all in my stomach. So I was like, he has to be running out of room in there. And so um, kept going to the doctor every week, but I would still stay at one centimeter. And so the week of my due date, she was like, yeah, if he doesn't come on your due date, we're going to look to induce you the following Tuesday. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that because I'd heard about inducing and I heard that it might, like the labor might be worse whenever you induce. So I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to, <laughs> so I like, was saying my prayers, please come out. I don't want to do this. So um, we, my due date came and it went and it was so surreal because I was like, wow, I'm supposed to be having a baby right now and I'm at Red Lobster. <laughs> and so <laughs> that day came, then the weekend came and I was like, man, he's just not coming out. He's not, he doesn't even seem like he's coming. And so Sunday night, uh, 
I came home from my mom's house. I had stopped at Popeye's and got some chicken. <laughs> and then uh, I went to bed that night and like it was just a normal day. And then at like three o'clock in the morning on that Monday, my eyes shot open and I was like, I have to use the restroom. So I go into the bathroom and, and I go to the bathroom and then um, I, I hear this audible pop sound. And like previously, like at my work baby shower, my friend told me, yeah, when my water broke, I heard this pop sound. And so I thought maybe that was the thing she was talking about, but I didn't, nothing else happened for a few minutes. So I was like, oh, it's probably nothing. And then when I go back to lay down, that's when like my water started to actually like come out. And I was like, oh, this is probably what they were talking about. So I called my doctor. Um, they said, go ahead and come to the hospital. I wake uh, Robert up, my husband. And I say, okay, let's go. Um, my water broke. Don't panic. I'm not in pain or anything, but we do need to go to the hospital. And so we get our stuff together and we leave. He speeds to the hospital. And I'm like, yo, you don't have to speed. I'm not in pain. <laughs> but he speeds there. And then we get all checked in. On the way there, I'm texting our family, like, hey, we're on our way. If y'all want to meet us up there, you can. So we get there, get all checked in. Um, they get all the monitors on me. And they check to see my dilation. And I think I was, like, at two centimeters. So it wasn't much of a difference. Um, around, like, 5 a.m., my family like his parents and my sister-in-law and then my mom yeah I think that was it they all came to the hospital so early I was like wow y'all really ready <laughs> and so they came and we were just kind of sitting there watching the news everything was going good they I think that's when they did like Pitocin or something to jump start the labor and that's when I started feeling like contractions and Something I didn't mention before is like another another thing that I kind of planned for my birth was I didn't want to, I wanted to go as long as I could without doing any drugs. So I didn't ask for anything up front. And they were like, yeah, if you ever get to a point where you're right before the point of no return, like you're just bawling in pain, that's when you need to ask for the epidural. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good right now. So I think I can handle it. And so hours go by. I start feeling the contractions um, getting worse and worse. I try to take a nap, but it's like, it takes my breath away. It's really hard. And so around, I think around three o'clock, no, a little bit before three, they came and checked me again. I was still at two centimeters dilated. And then at that point I was like, I'm not, I'm not dilating anymore. And I want to, and I feel like maybe I'm stressing myself out with the contractions. So I think I'm going to go ahead and get the epidural so I can relax. And maybe that will cause me to dilate more. So at three o'clock, that's when I got the epidural. And um, it didn't really hurt. The only thing that hurt was when the needle like initially went into my back. It was like a, a burning sensation for like 10 seconds. But other than that, it was fine. And it, it acted real quick. I couldn't feel anything in my lower half within minutes and so I laid down relaxed managed to take a nap woke up and I think around five or six they checked me again and I was at four centimeters and I was like okay so seems like it's working hours go by I think around like eight o'clock they check me again and they're like you're still at four centimeters and we feel his hair but you're just it's not opening up and I was like no so I still wait 
because I still want to try and keep things going. At that point, I'm getting tired. I'm feeling delusional because I hadn't had anything to eat since I ate Popeye's <laughs> the night before. So I'm like, I'm tired and I'm hungry and I'm getting weak. And so around 9 a.m. or no, 9 p.m., um, that's when they're like, hey, you've been open. Your water's been broken for more than, uh, I think it's 12 hours. That's when you get at risk for infection or something like that. So they're like, yeah, it might be best if you consider a C-section. So I thought about it because, you know, that was the one thing I did not want. And I can't believe that it was coming to this. The one thing I didn't want was happening. And I was like, you know what? If this is the ticket to me finally meeting my son and also me getting a sandwich, <laughs> then yes, I'm going to take it. <laughs> so um, the doctor or the nurse, I forgot which one, she came back into the room and asked me what I decided. And I was like, I think I'll just go ahead and get the C-section. And then um, when they went to go get everything to prepare me, I broke down and cried because, like I said, I, I didn't want that, but it was like, it seemed like the only option at that time for me. And so um, my family got around me and we prayed for successful surgery and that things went well. They got me ready. They got my husband with those like temporary scrubs and they took us to the OR room. It was super cold in there. I was shivering, so hungry. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. And um, yeah, and then they they uh they do everything. I don't feel anything, of course, because I'm I have anesthesia. I just feel pressure. And then finally they I hear that he's out. They're like, Oh my god, he has so much hair. And I was like, Oh, that's why I had so much heartburn. He has so much hair. And so um he was out and my husband was the first one to see him. He went over to the machine where they weigh him and took pictures. And finally, they brought him to me um, after they closed me back up and got me ready. And then they put him on my chest. And I was like, wow, I feel instant love. Like, this is love at first sight, for real. <laughs> like, nothing in this world, nothing else in this world matters right now. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was pretty much my birth story. Um, they took us to the recovering room so I could breastfeed because um, that's what I wanted to do. And then they took us up to our room. My family came um, and said their hellos and everything, met Wade, because um, this is all, he was born at 1017 at night. So they had been there all day. So they were tired too. So we went up to the room, they went home and then we just, this was it. We got a human now. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. Just thinking back to how everything went, did you feel like you were able to slow down? Um, at all or that things just kind of came to a head real quick for you guys when it came to shift to um, a cesarean surgical I felt, I felt like it, it didn't slow down I think that's when things kind of like really sped up and it was like it felt like do or die like not like literally die but it felt like it's now or never if you don't do it now you might risk some complications later and so I was like, I got to make this decision quick. And it seems like this is the best decision, um, even though it's not the one I want to make. It was like my first real like parenting decision almost. And it was like, wow, this came at me fast. <laughs> that is a very different way to look at it. I've never thought about it in that perspective or even heard it like that because it is. It is your first big parenting decision. Um, 
just as the baby's coming, right? Or just through the pregnancy in general, like there's so much that could happen based on that one decision. And it's, that's a lot of pressure on somebody that's hungry. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, yes. <laughs> on somebody who is hungry. <laughs> literally all i wanted is a sandwich (laughs) y'all asking me questions (laughs) can i get a snickers first right like (laughs) i even asked like is can i at least have a popsicle and they're like nope not at this point (laughs) so wade is here and then how does the rest of the days proceed for y'all after he after he's born um because i had a c-section you stay in the hospital a little longer than you would a vaginal birth so i had him on monday night and i didn't go home until thursday so those days in the hospital were kind of like me being in and out of sleep and getting used to the baby and having people come in and out of the room to test my pain levels and make sure like I'm good to actually leave the hospital that Thursday because there's certain things you have to do in order to be deemed good to go home when you have a C-section. So they want to make sure you can get up on your own, use the bathroom on your own. So eventually I passed those tests and then we got, we were able to be discharged um, on that Thursday and we brought him home and I was like, bringing him home was like overwhelming because I'm like, wow, they really just give us these humans no directions. <laughs> Here you go. And so, uh, yeah, that coming home was overwhelming. And it was uh, Labor Day weekend. So we had a lot of visitors come in to see him just because they were, uh, yeah, yeah, they had come to see him. And also it was Labor Day. So everybody had the time off. So they were like, yeah, we'll come back. And, um, after that Monday, it kind of quieted down, all the excitement. It was just kind of like trying to get my footing and and really get used to this child. And also, like, me being in recovery from a surgery was rough because um, my family was like, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't be going up and down the stairs because our room is upstairs. And so they made a, a spot for me downstairs. Um for me and Wade and my husband to stay while I was recovering so (laughs) there'll be times where it's like Robert I need you to go give me a shirt and then I'm like I can't be mad at the shirt he brings me (laughs) because it's like I can't be specific (laughs) but yeah it was just like and then that first shower after was like glorious it felt really nice It really is the little things in those first couple of weeks of postpartum. It's like, yes. ooh, I got to eat with both hands. Yes. You know? I got to I, sleep I, on my stomach because <laughs> I'm a stomach sleeper. And that was, that felt so nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I got to take a shower. I'm wearing a shirt and not just yeah. in my nursing bra. <laughs> like, I feel good. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing how this that cleanse, right? It's just a cleanse of a shower, um, especially post birth. Even if it's not like that first shower, but even the ones after, just always feels like <laughs> just yes. really taking the whole day off of you. Um, even if you know you got to go right back in, it, it's like 
<laughs> it's like a little piece of heaven. And it's just a shower, but you'd be surprised. People really take these things for granted, right? We just like so right, agree. By being by yourself for a moment with your thoughts, like yes, the that's the key part. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about how things shifted for you and your family in the postpartum period. So yeah, after way like that first month of him being alive was like um, me getting used to the sleep pattern because the sleep deprivation is real and like and I was breastfeeding too so it's not like my husband could like whip out a boob and feed him <laughs> so I'm like I've heard people say this like oh, you just look over at your husband like I'm so resentful right now I wish you could do this but <laughs> I'm trying to get used for? to that <laughs> uh, trying to get used to that trying to get used to all these emotions like I wasn't very emotional during my pregnancy. I mentioned that before, but as soon as I had him, all my hormones are out of whack. I was just, I would look at him and literally cry for no reason. Like, I was just like, wow, I can't believe there's a life that I created in my hands and he's so beautiful and nothing better hurt him, you know? And um, that's for a whole month. We celebrate his one month being alive. We even got a cake <laughs> for that, yeah why not uh, yes why not yeah <laughs> i have the pictures and everything and um we were like yay he's been alive for one month we survived one month can't believe it um but you know something that like as the month was going that i wasn't like noticing or didn't really pay any attention to really was like he was always eating and i know like there's a thing called cluster feeding where babies like eat like so much at a given time so I just chopped it up to that like oh he's just cluster feeding he's just like it just seemed like he was never satisfied he was never not hungry and so um yeah we you know we take him to his regular checkups and things like that and everything is seeming normal you know in that first month they his um, pediatrician didn't really notice anything too bad or any bad at all I would say and so one day, like, my mother-in-law was like, oh, do you notice, like, he breathes kind of quick? And I was looking at him, and I saw, like, his chest was kind of, like, like, he was struggling to, like, get deep breaths, you know? And so I was like, oh, yeah, I noticed that, but I just, I've never had a baby before. Like, I had siblings who, we have, like, seven and ten years between us. I'd never noticed that when they were babies. And so I just chopped it up to him being a baby. And so um, we took him to his pediatrician just to make sure, like this time as like a sick visit. And so she was like, she listened to his heart and she was like, he does have like a slight heart murmur. And so I'm going to get you, um, I'm going to refer you to some place that can look at the heart. I think like an EKG place or something. So you can go there on like a Wednesday. And I was like, okay, cool. That was, I think, uh, Friday that we went to his pediatrician. So on a on that Monday or all that, that weekend, we were kind of just looking at him, paying attention to him, monitoring him. And then on that Monday or the Sunday, <laughs> on that Sunday night, my mother-in-law was like, hey, maybe you should take him to the children's hospital 
because um, they can really do some in-depth tests and see, you know, if there's anything wrong. And at first I was like, no, I'll just wait for the di dietitian or, or whatever, whatever they were called, the people that do the EKGs. I'll just wait for that, you know, and they'll let me know. And, you're, and she was like, you know, it would be best to go now just in case it's something serious, you know, just to catch it early. So that Monday we pack up and we go to um, Children's Hospital and we go through the ER. And we were just kind of being prepared to stay there all day anyway. So we get there, get admitted and everything. They take us back um, with Wade. And so they're kind of looking at him, monitoring him. And at that point, it was around 11 or so. They aren't seeing anything wrong with him. Um, but they still want to do some more tests and things like that. So right before they're about to say we can go home around like 1, they somebody got the idea to excuse me to take his blood pressures in his arms and his legs and so when they did that they found out that his blood pressure was a lot lower in his legs than they were in his arms and that's not normal and so they went and they talked and they did like a i think that's when they did an ekg or echocardiogram one of those and they called in a cardiologist and she basically was like, yeah, he has a heart defect. And it's called a co an aortic coarctation. And it's when like a heart valve doesn't have, it's too narrow. So the blood is not flowing correctly. And that's why the blood pressure is lower in his legs than they are in his arms. And so when she said that, you know, I was just like in shock. And I was like, oh, he's just going to have to live like this for the rest of his life. Like, what does this mean for him? And then she was like, we can get him in for surgery this Thursday. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is serious. I, I didn't expect for him to need surgery for this. I just thought this is something he'd have to, like, maintain for his whole life. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, yeah, it's good that you came in because if you didn't, his organs would have started failing. And then that would have been it. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is a lot to take in, you know. So um, I was like, yes. Of course, let's let's get him in for that surgery because I want to get this fixed as soon as possible. Um, I start crying because I'm like I'm overwhelmed. This is a lot for me. Call up my family, let them know what's going on, and so they take us to the cardiology floor in the hospital, get us all settled in, start asking us questions. My family arrives so they can get the information as well, and then um, they they were just kind of going through how the surgery will go on that Thursday and um, how this might have occurred. Cause you know, as a mother, especially a new mother, you're like, oh my God, did I do something during my pregnancy to make this happen? Was it my fault? Did I eat something wrong? Like this sucks because during pregnancy, they didn't, they couldn't hear that he had a murmur or see anything wrong with his heart. The only thing that they found like in my third trimester was like one of his kidneys was growing larger than the other and so at that point I was getting sonograms every week to monitor that but his kidneys finally evened out and that was the only thing that alarmed them during my pregnancy nothing with his heart so this was just a shock to me like that it wasn't like nobody saw it and it was just like a chance thing for us to even go into the hospital and get this solved so on that Wednesday it's kind of like Still kind of letting family know because my husband has like a really big family. So they're letting people know, you know, pray for us and Wade and things like that. Um, 
I'm kind of just walking around in a daze, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Um, that night uh, at 12 a.m., they're like, you cannot give him any more food. Like, he has to have no food until the surgery, which luckily was in the morning. So that's good. He didn't have to go like a whole day without food, but it was still hard because whenever he did get start to get hungry, he started like screaming. I'm like, there's nothing I can do. And I knew he wanted to be held. I couldn't hold him because he was in the bed and hooked up to monitors. So that Thursday in the morning, I think around nine, they took him in for surgery. Um, they have us wait in this room downstairs. Um, and that's where like they would call that room to give us updates while the surgery was going on. And so for that surgery, they were going to go in through his side so it'd be less invasive and correct the problem that way. And um, they, the surgery didn't take too long. It was probably like three hours. And so they called us and said, hey, Wade's doing great. Surgery went well. We're about to take him back to his room if you want to see him go back. And so we go upstairs. We see them wheel him back to the room. Um, we have to kind of wait outside a little bit for them to do some stuff. And then they invite us back in. They're monitoring him, and I'm just like, I'm so glad this is over. <laughs> and everybody's just thankful that things went well and he's doing well. So we go to sleep that night on a Thursday. And then on Friday, we get up in the morning. Um, doctors and nurses come in to monitor him, see how his heart is doing. Um, they do another EKG or echocardiogram. I, for, I always forget the difference, <laughs> but they do that. And they're kind of just kind of quiet and they're not like you know you can tell when something's wrong you know they're not like saying oh everything's good let's just go back to our regular duties and so finally they come in the doctor comes in and, and she's like we're not his heart problem is still persisting so we're gonna have to go back in but this time from his chest so like from the front and correct it that way and I was like oh and I was like, I'm texting everybody. I was like, hey, they're going to have to do another surgery on him. They're going to do it today. And everyone's just like in shock, like, oh, my God, didn't he just get out of surgery? Like, what's going on? And so I'm like, yeah, I know. It's crazy. But we, you know, this is just what has to get done. And so they take him back in for surgery. Um, once again, it didn't take that long. And we went back to that same room that kept giving us updates on the phone. And then after that. They said everything went well. We can go back to the room with him. And at that point, I was like, God, I hope this is it. Like, no more surgeries, please. And so um, that next morning, I was kind of like full of anxiety because I was like, oh, please don't look at it and say something is wrong with his heart again. But they looked at everything and they're like, okay, blood flow is going correctly. The, the problem is no longer persisting. So we can now start, you know, the recovery process and things like that. So um, I'm happy. We're all happy about that. And at that point, he still has like a breathing tube. So later that day on Saturday, they take the breathing tube out and they tell me like, because of that tube, he's not going to have, his vocal cords are probably going to be messed up. So he's not going to be able to be as loud as you, as a normal baby. So whenever he would cry, it would sound like a whisper. I, I, kid you not it would be like that's how low it was and so each day Wade gets better in the hospital he's meeting his milestones for recovery and things are progressing greatly they check on his heart every day and it's still 
you know, the problem is still gone. And so um, on a, yeah, on a Friday, no, on a Saturday, that next Saturday, so a week later, they're like, wait is good to go up to the recovery floor. And usually when you go to the recovery floor, that's like the next stop before you get to go home. I was like, wow, this is great. So we go up there and we're probably there for just a couple days. And on that Monday, they say we can go home and we get to bring him home. And the only thing, which is also a miracle, was like he didn't have to take any medicine for the heart defect. He just had to take medicine for the pain from the surgery. And we just had to hold him on one side um, because of the incision on the other side. So for six weeks, we couldn't hold him on a certain side. And that was it. That was the only thing. And of course, his vocal cords as well. Everything else was fine. And we just had to meet up with the cardiologist, I think, um, like at the end of that month, because it was at the beginning of October. And we went back to the cardiologist on Halloween. I remember that. And so when we went back, she was like, everything still looks great. He's still doing great. His vocal cords will definitely come back in a couple more weeks. So you're good. And, and then she said, we don't need to see you again until uh, the next year. And I was like, that's really good news. And ever since then, that's all he's had to do was go to the cardiologist like every other year, like every 18 months and still takes no medicine for his heart. And he has scars from it, but you would not guess like if you didn't see his stomach or his side, you would not guess he has surgery. That's how like great and blessed he is because I know like when we were at the hospital there would be kids that were like and and like they had like they needed whole heart transplants that's how bad their heart was so I was just really grateful that it wasn't that bad and that it was caught early that so that we didn't have to experience like a loss because that's where it was headed if we didn't go and um yeah it's just just a crazy crazy ride all of this well he's a month old and I just met this person and it's just I can't believe like we all made it through that <laughs> um when I think back to your your retelling of how you guys discovered what was going on with his body and uh, how your mother-in-law was um the, kind of like the main person kind of paying attention to it or noticing it rather um and just how it is in those early stages as a first time mom and really wanting to be empowered in your parenting. And sometimes it can be hard to take um, advice or any type of new information from somebody like, I'm with this baby all the time, right? Like, I'm good, he's good, we're good, right? Um, or just feeling like she's being kind of overbearing or something like that, you know, like, here's your mom. <laughs> Something wrong with our baby. We would know that, right? But right. It, there can be these little things that we're not, not even as you're not paying attention to it, it was just that you did notice it. It's just that you thought that that was normal, right? Um, and then there was no one else, you know, even his provider saying that there was anything different um, when you did go, when he was seeing a pediatrician. So um, just commendable that you're able to be receptive to her. Uh, I know that that's not always easy um, with anybody. It's not just like a mother-in-law thing, right? It's like anybody coming into our new thing as a parent can be challenging um, and hard to, you know, be be receptive of that new information and what to do with it, right? 
because like you said, you did go forward to go see the doctor and they had a plan, but that she persisted, you know, with like, this seems more immediate. Let's see what else we can do because she's right. The children's hospitals are really thorough. <laughs> Very. They are thorough. And anytime, you know, if I think of something with my kids, I'm like, we're going to children's. Like, they, don't, they will run all the tests. <laughs> Everyone, uh, right? Everyone, you're like another one. Like, are you? I think we're good. But like, they did that one more thing with you guys, you know, and that was what unlocked the, you know, unlocked what was going on. Yeah, I'm very grateful, and I'm glad that we did end up going because it was like right on time. <laughs> and so thinking about that, because even as you were telling, you know, Wade's piece, I completely forgot that he was only a month old. Like that completely mm -hmm. left my head. And so thinking about how new that was and how new still like postpartum was for you, how was postpartum healing I, um, through the Wade piece? Um, I say Wade piece, I mean through his heart um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, surgery, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, so yeah, that month, before I was, you know, overwhelmed, everything. But I feel like during that time we were in the hospital, I feel like all of that got put on hold. Like I almost forgot about it because I put away those whole emotions like in a suitcase and I just kind of like brought out a new box of emotions for this situation. And um, I will say I was pretty even killed through that whole thing. I can't believe I didn't like just, I was just like, pretty calm and I felt like I needed to be because I didn't want to be panicky and stuff and lose faith and not be positive uh, but then once we got home from the hospital put those emotions away kind of and then I brought back the other suitcase of postpartum emotions and it was just kind of like okay now that's over I feel like I can in fact I think I had both of those boxes open because you know his heart surgery just happened and then now I'm going back to this oh I just now I gotta get used to motherhood again in a sense because I was just getting used to a routine before we went to the hospital and now I had to relearn everything almost and that was kind of overwhelming um and then before I was breastfeeding but while I was while he was in the hospital like I was so stressed that I couldn't produce milk as much as I wanted to. So then now he was on formula. So that was a whole new thing that I had to get used to. And um, it was just, it was just so weird how I, <laughs> how calm I was, but I'm glad I was because like I said, I didn't want to be like, worst case scenario, he's going to die. I wanted to make sure like I was good. And I also didn't want to make my family worry about me. Um, I knew they were. and you know, that's them. And that's just, you know, they love me and they want to make sure like I'm okay. But I wanted to show them, hey, I'm strong. Everything will be fine. And something I forgot to mention that I always forget, but it's still so significant to me. <laughs> I didn't even mention this the last time I told this, but the day before the, yeah, the night before his, I think his second surgery, I want to say, I would, I would talk to Wade through the hospital, you know, let him know he was strong. I would tell, I would literally tell him, you're so strong, you're so brave, you're going to get through this and things like that. And there was one night and my father-in-law, he was there too, so he can attest to this. I was like, you're going to be okay, right? 
And Wade literally said, okay. Like, I kid you not. I know it's like baby babble or whatever, but I'm one of those people that thinks, you know, things happen for a reason. Nothing is coincidental, really. And so I felt like that was God in that moment saying, Chelsea, this is going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And my father-in-law heard it too. And he was the only one in the room when, he, when that happened. And so it was kind of like him, he was like, did you hear that? Did, did you hear what I just heard? Because I had heard it, but I was like, nah, it's just him being a baby. <laughs> but he was like, did you hear what I just heard? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> it was so surreal, so weird. And so, yeah, I felt like at that moment, I was like, it'll be okay. I'm going to get through this and he's going to get through this and it's going to be fine. Yo, I got chills when you said that. Well, yeah, I- me too. I, I, always, <laughs> I always forget it. It's so small, but it's like, it's still so significant. Because Absolutely. It happened for a reason. Absolutely. Oh yeah, you can certainly go into battle after that, right? Right. Like- right. <laughs> My child right. said he good. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) and that you had a witness, right? Right, and a witness to confirm what I couldn't tell nobody else. Like I can't tell nobody. I heard the baby talking. (laughs) Right, yeah. Like, girl, you going crazy. (laughs) Is this what that's part of me? They don't talk about this. Like, let's unpack that. I'm glad your dad was there because that helped you move through. Like, okay, that really happened. Confirmed right. it. Like, and and <laughs> it settles crazy. you. Right. I'm not crazy. And it settles your mind, your, your spirit. That is very significant. Um, but I can see how you can forget it because it's still one of those things like, you can believe that. We believe you. <laughs> we believe you. We Thank know you. it happened. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I really was going to say, I think it was just interesting how you like described about the emotions, like, you know, packing away one. And then at one point, both suitcases kind of being open and how they, you know, overlapped. Um, And how do you like process all those things? And again, now you're dealing with your child who's now recovering from a big surgery and supporting them, but also supporting all the things that um, postpartum brings forth at the same time. Um, were there things, I mean, I know besides like packing them and compartmentalizing them, were there like active things you were doing to kind of support you um, through that? And also, mm. I mean, it sounds like you definitely leaned into your village for sure. Yes, my village is everything to me. Like, I would be nothing without them. I cannot even be out here saying, I do everything all by myself. Nobody helps me. That is That would be a blatant lie because I get so much help and I'm so thankful. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, what was I doing? I don't even remember. I think I was just um, enjoying the fact that I have my child back. And I feel like that was a form of self-care for me. Um, and just being able to hold him because there was a time in the hospital where I couldn't because he was hooked up to monitors or he was too fragile. So I'm um, just doing that. And then, um, you know, after a certain point in his recovery, he was okay to kind of start going back to um, being with my mom. Cause before he, before he went to the hospital, I would take him over there for a few hours to give myself a break. And so she can also be with him as well. And so when I, I started doing that again. 
that kind of helped me. And I remember like, I don't know, was this after the surgery? When I went to Target, <laughs> I was like, well, I feel so free. But then I was like, wow, this doesn't feel the same. <laughs> but it still felt nice to be out of the house. And, um, you know, not being, not having to worry, like being so glad that I was out of that, um, out of that storm and now into the clear skies. I know you mentioned too about how, you know, he had just gotten into a routine and then how that shifts so much because your baby wasn't doing well um, and how that affected your breastfeeding journey as well. Um, what was that transition like for you when um, you stopped being able to produce as much? Like, was that another thing that hit for you emotionally as well or were you just okay with it? Um. It did hit me emotionally. <laughs> it made me feel like a failure because I had it in my mind that I wanted to breastfeed for like at least a year. And so when this hit, I was already stressed out with breastfeeding because I was trying to get the hang of it before. And right when, like I said, right when I was getting the hang of it, this happened and it just threw everything out of whack. And I had to give myself permission to be like, you know, breastfeeding is not the only way he can get food he can have formula, it's not going to kill him. And so I had to be okay with that. And it didn't make it any better that he had a sensitive stomach. So I had to find the right formula because the regular one was giving him gas and making him have acid reflux. So I had to get like a sensitive kind. So once we got the one that he could use often, I became increasingly okay with it. Um, was, was also sad because breastfeeding is not all, all for the baby it is also for you because when they're so close to you it's like it's so comforting they're so warm you want to go to sleep but you can't because you gotta like hold their head <laughs> but um yeah that part made me sad as well because I I was like oh I'll never get to do that again with him but at least I can be at least he's still alive you know like don't don't beat myself up too much about that it, you I just I had just went through a traumatic experience and I was beating myself up because I couldn't perform even after that, even despite that. But I had to give myself a lot of grace and say, it's okay. Just do what you got to do. The permission piece and the grace piece. And I think um, through all milestones with our children, through all phases with our children, there is a lot of giving permission and grace that like, we are doing the best that we can for our children. We're trying to weigh all the pros and cons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, well, how, how bad, I feel like I do this every day. If I make this decision, how bad will this mess my child up? Down the line? <laughs> I know it's sad to think like that. But no, think, like... <laughs> listen, a quick pros and cons checklist every time. All right, if I let you fall off this bike, what's... <laughs> Yes. what's gonna happen you learn to get back <laughs> up but right do you have a concussion right. <laughs> <laughs> so yes it is a and I, I do I think that there's um you know even with a strong support system and a great village like lifting us up there still is that internal battle that we have to like fight for ourselves to be like it is okay because this plan didn't go exactly how I wanted it to, it's okay. I'm still doing this out of the best interest for my child. And I think because I had such a, like I said, a pretty easy pregnancy 
and all of this happening, I think I just wasn't expecting it all to hit at once like it did. And it really just knocked me off of my feet. Cause I was like, like I said, the pregnancy, I was like, well, okay, if this is what it's going to be like, if I'm not disaffected, I'm probably going to really coast after <laughs> having a baby. But no, that did not happen, obviously. And even if I was coasting and feeling good, like emotionally after having a baby, he still had to have heart surgery. So that would have knocked me off my feet anyway. So <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, sharing that story with us again i'm gonna be y'all we're gonna be honest with y'all technology was not our friend we had this is the second time we're uh, recording this the devil doing was it. busy <laughs> okay right we didn't want them to hear the story See, <laughs> we didn't have the part about the baby saying okay that's See, true right. that's true to be a part of the story <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you danielle for that that remnant. You're going to catch right? this whole testimony. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is there anything else, though, that you want to share with listeners? Resources, advice, anything else from your birth? Mm, I would say, you know, as you go and you become a mother and you're in the, you're in the trenches during that first few months and it really is rough, but just know. Each day you get stronger. Each day you you hit your own milestones. Your kids hitting milestones. You're also hitting milestones. You're also growing as a person. So just get through survival mode if you have to, and just know it does get better. We received that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's very true. We are constantly growing as parents, right alongside them. exactly we're all humans it's funny like when you're a kid and you look at your parent and you're like oh you're supposed to know everything and so when they do something wrong it kind of lets you down but then you become a parent and you're like oh dang they're humans like i am right (laughs) they're out here trying to figure it out like i am thanks for listening to birth stories in color to hear this show and other episodes head to birthstoriesincolor.com